Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, we just want again thank you for your goodwill. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for granting us the privilege, Father, go to look into your perfect word of liberty. We're asking for wisdom, inspiration, understanding. With the mind, Holy Spirit, that even our viewers will be able to receive instructions from you tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so we'll continue with our study on the genealogy of Christ. This is going to be part number 11. Genealogy of Christ, part number 11. We are gradually coming to a close. Amen. And um, our main test, like we said, is still Matthew 1, verse 1. To the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And the sub subject we are dealing with is the judgment or the great throne judgment. Which is Revelation 20, verse 11. And 12. Revelation 20 verse 11 and 12. And he said, And I saw a great white throne, and he that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. The verse number 12. And there again the Bible says, What is that in verse number 12? And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books you are open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Amen. Yeah, we've been dealing with this. We have gone thus far in explaining that this judgment we're seeing has nothing to do with that which will happen one day uh, in the by and by when all mankind that have died right from Adam to this moment we get out of the grave. We know that is not what the Bible is talking about. Hallelujah. And um, before now, I also made you to understand the terms of the judgment. So let's just look at John chapter 5, verse number 22. Again, um, I try to explain to us that judgment will be committed into the hand of the Son, which is Jesus Christ. Uh, remember mentioning that. Hallelujah. So, but the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto who? Unto the Son. All judgment, not some. Amen? So, we know from this passage that he who sat on the throne is the Lord himself. Because he is saying God is judging no one. So, the man sitting on that throne, which is the great white throne, is Christ himself. Hallelujah. But one will now wonder, hallelujah, how he sat on this throne. You see, this is expressly through the body. It's not sitting alone on this throne. It's sitting on this throne through his body. Which is his church, if you will. Amen? I've, I've tried to illustrate this to us, this fact, from Matthew 23. You remember that? Good. Matthew 23, again we can look at that from verse 1. Matthew 23 from verse number 1. And I said, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and said to the disciples, verse number 2, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees, they sit where? On Moses' seat. Is that okay? Right. So you find that Moses was sitting on this, on this throne through the scribes and the Pharisees. Even so, Jesus is sitting on his throne through his body. Is it making sense? Right. You must always understand, uh, largely Jesus always, I mean the scriptures always comparing the first testament or the second testament, the old testament and the new testament. The ministry of Moses and the ministry of Jesus. There's always major comparison you find in scriptures, especially in the book of Hebrews. The whole book of Hebrews is a comparison between the priesthood of Jesus and the priesthood of Aaron. The Melchizedek priesthood and Levitical priesthood. Amen. So, here we see Moses said, 
being sat upon by the scribes and the Pharisees using the laws. Even so, the ministry of Jesus is being operated and, and, and carried out in terms of judgment by and through his body. So the throne is large, great, because a lot of multitude of people are sitting on that throne. He is sitting on the throne through his body. Praise the Lord. Okay. So, here we find that the law was the authority with which they were ruling and dealing with the human affairs at a particular time, like I said before. By implication, they were judges sitting on the throne of Moses and administering judgment through the written laws. Is that okay? Right. So, to understand this imagery, we have to look at the book of Daniel chapter 7, verse 22. Daniel 7, verse 22. Okay, let's begin from verse 21. Bible says, I beheld and the same had made war with the saints and prevailed against them. Then verse 22. Until the ancient of this came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And the time came that the saints did what? Possess the kingdom. That is where this image is taken from. Did you get that? So, the saints of the Most High, you can get that. You know, judgment was given to them to be the one to execute judgment. Are you getting that? Praise the living God. Are we together? Good. And the Bible now said, and the time came that the saints did what? Possess the kingdom. So, they are judges and they finally possess the kingdom. And this is why the throne is a great white throne. From Revelation 12, I mean 20 that we're dealing with. Why is it great? You see, often and again when you read the book of Revelation, you come to the point where you begin to see there were harpers harping and those singing the great loud voice thundering. You understand that? Because it's a multitude of people. It's a multitude of people. That is why it's a great white throne. Because those sitting on the throne, the Christ sitting on the throne made of a many-membered body. Are you there with me? Praise the Lord. The vast multitude. So we're talking about the sovereignty and the majesty of the one who sat on it, filling all things with his presence. Which is actually his glory. It is called white throne because of the absolute purity and righteousness of his judge and the judgment coming out of it and those occupying the seat. We have to do with the judges. It's white because it's absolute purity, righteousness. The, the judgment is pure. The judgment is righteous. That is why it says white throne. Throne of righteous justice. Hallelujah. So, we're talking about the purity of, and the righteousness of the judge and the judgment. I mean, the, the judges who occupy it. So here we are seeing such a powerful throne, if you will, with all glory and majesty. And we are told the earth and the heaven fled from his face. What then is the face? Face basically in the Bible speaks about intelligence, speaks about illumination, speaks about countenance. <clears throat> By application, what fled from the face? You go back to the book of Revelation, put it up there. Revelation 20 verse number 12. That's what we're dealing with. Okay, verse 11. Verse 11 has fled from his face, right. I saw the great white throne, and he that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. What is the earth and the heaven that is flying away from his presence? Hallelujah. He's sitting on the throne, the earth and the heaven fled away from his face. From the intelligence of him, from the wisdom of this man, from the countenance of this man. By implication... It's not this physical earth that is flying away from his presence. It's the Adamic nature of man. And so you read from 1 Corinthians 15 verse 47. As we are born the image of the active, which also be the image of what? Of the heavenly. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 47. 
Are you getting that? So what is flying away from the face of he who sat on the throne is the Adamic life. The Adamic nature. Not the earth. Because we know that the earth abides forever. What about the heaven, you say? The heaven speaks of man's exaltation, man's pride. Everything that is ruling man outside of Christ is his heaven. Amen? Are you there with me? Right. Everything ruling man, everything controlling you outside of the spirit of Christ is your heaven. That's why you wrestle with principalities and powers in heavenly places. Is that okay? Praise God. Are we there? Let's look at the scripture for instance. Matthew 5 verse 18. Matthew 5 verse 18. It said, well, Verily I say unto you, the heaven and earth pass. One judge or one title shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth pass away. Okay, again, Matthew 24, verse 35. Matthew 24, verse 35. Jesus again said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my will shall not pass away. In these two scriptures, Jesus is saying, Heaven and earth will pass away. And so when you look at it again from that Revelation 20, say Heaven and earth fled away from his face. What is that supposed to mean? We know from scriptures that the earth abided forever. Am I right? We know from scriptures that heaven is the abiding place of God. Am I correct? So which one is passing away? Sometimes when you read the Bible, you need to sit down a little bit and just think. What is this scripture really saying? Praise the Lord. So what do you think Jesus was talking about here? Like I said, we know from scriptures... The heaven and earth abide forever from Ecclesiastes. The Bible tells us that. I also do know that God dwells in heaven. So which one is this that is passing away? Evidently, Jesus was talking about the law. You know what? The Jews often refers to the temple as heaven and earth. Because they feel God sits in the most holy place. Right? And the ark was revealed at the full soul of God. So the expression of the temple to the Jews is heaven and earth. I'm going to give you a scripture for that. Go with me to the book of Lamentation, chapter 2, verse 1. Lamentation, chapter 2, verse number 1. How have the Lord covered the daughters of Zion with a cloud in his anger? And cast down from heaven unto the earth the beauty of Israel. And remember not his footstool in the day of his anger. Did you see that? Now, by implication here, Israel was in heaven. Let us look at it together. Can you see that? How the Lord covered the daughter of Zion with a cloud in his anger. And cast down from where? From heaven. What did he cast from heaven? Unto the earth, the beauty of Israel. And remember, not his footstool in the day of his anger. What is it supposed to be? This was just simply the ark and the temple being destroyed. And Jeremiah refers to that as being cast down from heaven. Are you there with me? Praise God. Amen. The beauty of Israel was actually his temple. His footstool, the Ark of the Covenant. That's the way it was called. Is that okay? Right. But here God allowed the, 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 the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, to destroy it. That's why I talk about being cast down, thrown down from the highest realm of glory and honor to the million, many, Lowest degree of slavery. This is talking about when they were carried away into Babylon, if you will. Is that okay? Right. So, the heaven, as it were, which has taken up the temple 
And then the ark, that was the most holy place, everything was washed off. Taken away, destroyed, people carried away. So in, for that to happen means that they were thrown down from where? From heaven. Are you following it? Good. So Jesus' word simply means until the temple is destroyed in Jerusalem, which happened in AD 70, all that is written in the law shall be fulfilled. Part of which we have to do with all that was written about him. Remember, he said in the volume of the book is written about me. Is that okay? About him in the law and the prophets. Everything will come to pass. No jot. That's what he's saying. Everything that was spoken about him will come to fulfillment. But then, in other words, the law will still have power and authority over men as long as the temple is standing. But once the temple is destroyed, the heaven and earth is what? Is passed away. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying here. The Jews understood what he was telling them. We are the people that never understood what he was saying. But the Jews who always believe and knows it, that he's talking about the temple, when he said that, they understood. The, are you following what I'm talking about? Right. They understood exactly. Otherwise, have you ever thought about it once? When Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, has he, I mean, have you ever wondered what he was talking about? How, how would the heaven and earth pass away? In what form? He's not talking about the planet earth. He's not talking about the skies, whatever. No. He's dealing with the glory and the beauty of Israel, which has to do with the temple. And what is contained in the temple, as it were, is the highest realm of worship and authority and dominion to the Jewish people with the ark and the laws that were in the ark. With the run, Aaron's uh, rod that bordered. Everything was right in the ark. So the glory and the power of Israel. Remember, when the ark was taken by the Philistines, you can remember what was said. Ichabod, the glory has departed. Other point. Which is the glory which refers to heaven for them was departed because the ark was captured by the Philistines. So when Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, what he's saying is, everything you see in this temple is going to go. And once the temple goes, every power and authority that the temple has, all of that which the scribes and Pharisees have authority over, with which they were ruling the people, is gone. Because once the temple is destroyed, then the law is gone, the priesthood is finished. And without the temple going away, the true ministry of Jesus will not come into place. You understand what I'm saying? All right. So, that is why I discovered that even when he made this statement here, the temple was still standing for about 40 years after this statement was made. Do you understand that? And you find that even when Pentecost have really come, the disciples and, and people like Peter they were still going to the temple to worship. I mean, if you remember that. That's why in chapter 4 of the book of Matthew, he healed the man that was crippled at the beautiful gates. They were going to the temple. You see that? So now, you find that even after Pentecost, there was a worship of what you call Christianity side by side with the Judaism. They were all walking side by side. So Jesus is saying the full manifestation of his glory will not come until the temple is what? It destroyed. So when the temple was destroyed in AD 70, everything he said came to pass. Are you getting that down? And that's what he said again in Matthew chapter 24, 33 or so, when he said, the heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Everything that he was saying will come to fulfillment, even though the temple will be destroyed. Is it making sense to you now? So when you read that scripture, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away, you've got to understand what he's saying. He's talking about the temple. Amen? Praise the living God. And that Majid 24 is basically dealing with the temple and how the temple is going to be destroyed. You should be able to know that. That's why when you start from verse number one, 
When people always use this thing to be referring to the end of the world, Matthew 24 is not talking about the end of the world. He's talking about what is going to happen in AD 17. So Matthew 24 in the true sense, it fulfills scripture. Amen? Praise the living God. Alright. Are we following thus far? Right. So remember, we're talking about the judgment. What I'm saying now, everything when he say heaven and earth fled away, we're talking about from his face, everything that was ruling man, and one of the places by which men were being ruled was the temple. You getting that? Right. So everything that exalts itself against and above the knowledge of God, between man was ruling himself, is going to flee away when you stand before his presence. The judgment removes those things. That's what he's talking about. Hallelujah. Alright. So again now you find that in Revelation 21 verse 1. Uh, this simple understanding gives you Revelation 21 verse 1. What do you see there? And I saw a new heaven and a new earth because the former heaven had fled away. Did you get it now? Good. So I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth will pass away and there was no more sea. So which one is the first heaven and the first earth? That is the tabernacle we just discovered now. The temple. Are you getting that? And the laws and the priesthood of the first heaven and the first earth passed away. That there's another one being established now, which is now his body, and he being the head of his body. Praise the living God. So that's why it becomes new, because the old one is passed away. So the first heaven and the fourth earth that passed away has to do with the temple. The tabernacle, the laws, and everything that was contained therein, they passed away for the new to be what? To be established. There was no more sea. What sea is that? It's talking about as many as have not come into the relationship with Christ as sons by way of salvation. This what I refer to as sea. Hallelujah. So yeah, Father. The old covenant with his adherent and the sea, which speaks of the multitude of people without God passed away. By implication, there will be no man at the end of the day that is going to be without God. Let me show you this sea. Judges chapter, first of all, Revelation 15. Look at verse 15. Let me see if that's what I want. Um, Revelation 15, verse 15. 15, I said. Revelation 15, verse 15. Hallelujah. You don't find it? Okay, you go to Jude. Look at the book of Jude. Verse 11 and 13. The book of Jude. But you can also check Revelation 17, 15 rather. 17, 15. Revelation 17, 15. Before you come to Jude. So that you can get it clearly. 17, 15. Did you find it? Hallelujah. But in Revelation uh, 17, if you read verse 1 before 15, right? Good. It's not working? 17, verse 1? Revelation 17? You can find it? Ah. Okay. You give us Jude now. Go to Jude. Revelation 17 talks about the, the hallowed, isn't it? Huh? The hallowed sitting upon many waters. Okay, here with it. So why was your computer having a problem? This is what I'm looking at. There came one of the seven angels which had seven vows and called me saying, Come hither and I will show you the judgment of the great hall that sitteth upon many waters. That's what I'm looking for. Are you there with me? 17. So now go to verse 15. Um, look, don't forget this. The harlot is sitting over what? Many waters. And that sea. So verse 15 now. And he said unto me, The waters with that sawest, where the horse seated, are what? Peoples and multitude and nations and what? Tongues. So many waters mean sea. Right? Are you getting that? So when he said there's no more sea, we're talking about people who do not have the Spirit of God. Okay, go with me to Jude 
11 and 13. 11, 12, 13. Book of Jude. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, around greatly after the era of Balaam, for reward and perish in the gainsaying of Corey. Go ahead. These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you. That is fellowship now. Feeding themselves without fear, clouds the air without water, carried about of wind, trees whose fruit wither it, without fruit twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Look at verse 13. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to quit its reserve, the blackness of darkness forever. Did you get that? Raging waves of the sea. Now, Corey, Balaam, Cain, you know, there are ministers in the Bible. Cain, Kilebel, Balaam prophesied for a word. Corey challenged Moses. So these are people who do not have the Spirit of God. The Bible refers to them as sea. So when the Bible says there's no more sea, what it's talking about in men, you understand that? Is it, is, it, is it clear to you? Right. And that's why we're saying the harlot in Revelation 17, seated upon many waters, meaning is in control of people's life. Religious system controlling people. Are you there with me? Yeah. So the Bible now says the heaven had to pass away, the first heaven passed away, and there was no more sea. What I mean is there won't be people anymore. By reason of the judgment, when he sits at the throne, that will lack the Spirit of God. By implication, you will not have such ministries as Balaam, as Cain, as, as Corey anymore. All of this kind of spirit will be taken away by reason of the judgment of he that's right sitting where? On the throne. Is it clear? Right. So when he said, the heaven and earth fled from his face. Then understand it now. Then Revelation 21 now. Begin to talk about you now have a new heaven and a new earth. Because the former heaven is passed away. And there is no more sea. Praise God. Are we following it? Right. Okay. Alright. So no more sea. All of them have been dealt with. And especially with the issue of what we call the lake of fire. Because we look at Revelation 20. One of the major things there is everything going to the lake of fire. Is that okay? Right. So lake of fire, in a way, speaks of the purifying process. And it's difficult for people to understand this because of the perception they have about the issue of lake of fire. But whatever it is, if you burn wood, for instance, you're going to get ashes. But you see, the chemical composition of the wood is selling the ashes. Is that okay? You only change the form of the wood from a solid state to that of an ashes. You haven't really destroyed it. The chemical composition I see there. And most often when you when people burn wood, you see, the soot in the wood can be used to make diamonds. You understand that? So you have not in any way destroyed the wood. Because everything about that which the fire consumes is still useful. The artist is still useful. I know we have some, I read a story some time ago, I think in the US or so, where cremation was taking place. They, they, what I mean is, like your father dies, they cremate your father, that is the born your father, right? Yeah, because what they come up with is they don't want you to lose your loved ones. So they do the cremation, the born of your father, pick up the arches, and then they produce diamond out of it and give you as a ring. So you wear the ring. In other words, you still have your father with you. By reason of that ring. Is that okay? Right. They just burn the whole thing to arches. Get the arches out. Get the diamond out of it. And then make a ring out of it for you. So what I mean is. The lake of fire consumes. And get the drought out of people. If you want to get a good silver anyway, it must go through fire. Am I right? Praise God. Am I like I even tells us that 
You know, remember Malachi chapter 4. Praise the living God. Purify the sons of Levi's fire that might bring up righteousness, service of righteousness. Praise the Lord. Okay, so that is just what he's talking about. Now, let's look at something from the book of Proverbs 20. I'll show you what um, all of this is all about. Typical example is there in the, in the book of Proverbs 20, verse 8. Proverbs 20, verse 8. A king that seated in the throne of judgment scattered away all evil with what? With his eyes. Very simple. So get what he said. The earth and the heaven do the world fled away from his presence. Is it making sense now? Good. So everything that is contrary to God's life, everything that's evil, the Adamic life, your exalted pride and position of glory outside of God flags away or flies away from the presence of God we sit on the throne. This is what the throne does. Praise the Lord. Good. This is why in Mark chapter I think chapter 1 verse 24 the book of Mark is a, a simple story there. Now here was Go to verse uh, 23. Mark 1, 23. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out. Jesus went to the synagogue, right? Saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? And thou come to destroy us. And know thee that thou art the Holy One of God. Now, Jesus haven't said anything. I don't know if you're getting that. But the devil merely seeing Jesus start crying out. And that's exactly what we're saying. You find the same principle when I mentioned that the other time. When the Philistines captured the Ark of captured the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant, and they took it and placed it before the same temple of Dagon. You remember what happened? What happened the next day Dagon fell down, broken to pieces. Because evil can stand in the presence of God. The sea can stand in the face of Jesus Christ. The heaven of man and the earthly nature of man can stand in the presence of God. So all of this thing moves out when the judgment of God is in place. Are you getting that? Praise God. Amen. So this simply is all the eyes of Jesus, like I said, Sitting on his throne, and that was all that was needed. So, by reason of him being seated on the throne, all that is evil in nature, like I'm saying, through the earthly Adamic life and the heavens which rules men, controlling their lives, such as principalities and powers in heavenly places, the Bible said they fled away. All through the judgment, all the sins goes off. That is why I said earlier on. You desire the judgment of God, it's not something you should run away from. Because His judgment actually cleans you up. That is why Isaiah was praying for the judgment of God. For when that judgment upon the earth, He have it out of the world, we do what? They will learn righteousness. So God's judgment cleans out evil. It's not necessarily destructive in the way we look at that. Or punishment per se. No, that's not exactly how the Bible proves it. Praise the living God. Are you there? All right. Okay. So now, we're seeing that all that has held man bound on the earth, in the form of sin, wickedness, avarice, darkness of the kind of mind, and men's heaven of pride, religion, self-exhortation, ego, fruitlessness, an abundance of riches of the kind of mind, all of these things, revelation that men are having without God, which now stand at the heavens that rules the people, all of these things are washed up, standing before the judgment of God. Hallelujah. So you see, God's judgment will level everybody up and bring you to the place of true sonship. By implication, you will come to the place when the judgment of God Works that you come to actually see God being enthroned in your life. Instead of having some other powers and spirit controlling you, God now controls you by reason of his judgment. Are you still there with me? Right. So this is just what the judgment of God is all about. 
that we are seeing from this position from the book of Revelation. And when this thing is done, man is getting back to who he's supposed to be in relation to he being the son of God, made in the image and likeness of God. That is where we're ultimately going back to. Everything that is standing on the word of God in our life and coming to that place of glory is what the judgment is with. That will once again be restored to that place of authority and power as God has ordained it. As Adam was. You see, don't forget 1 Corinthians 15 47. As we're born the image of the earthy, which has to be the image of what? Of the heavenly. So everything that is standing on the way of Christ's spirit, the judgment takes away. That will become pure, righteous, holy before the living God. And when that happens, we go back to the place of authority and dominion as it was before the fall. Is it making sense to you? Praise the living God. So, this brother, the judgment of the white throne. The judgment has and is taking place right now. And it's not something that is going to be coming tomorrow, like I keep saying. Everyone, remember the scripture tells us, everyone must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Remember that? Good. And we said it, which is the truth, when we say everyone must appear, doesn't mean all of us will line up one day. No. At your own time, as allotted by God, you appear before the judgment throne, and all of these drawers in your life are cleaned out. You see that? Praise the living God. So this is what it is. So, sometimes we, we don't enjoy the judgment of God, because when we are used to the heavens controlling us, when I mean the heavens, all other powers outside of Christ's spirit. Is that okay? Right. When this thing begins to melt out, we won't enjoy the judgment of God. But at the end, it produces a feasible fruit of what? Of righteousness. And make us more of God's sons and his children with authority and power. And so, Bible will keep on saying, if we judge ourselves, we have no need for God to do what? To judge us. And that will not be condemned with the world. By implication, if you have spirits and powers, or you're looking at certain things that controls your life regularly, and you're able to get out of it, you won't suffer the punishment or the, the loss at the end of the day. You reject it, then you will suffer the loss. I don't know if you follow what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Because you see, when you are used to certain spirit controlling you, and the judgment of God is not dealing with them, you begin to feel the pain of a loss. Because you are not changing position by implication. You are changing the power that rules you. Then you begin to suffer loss. But if you realize that you don't need these powers to control your life, you need Christ to control your life, and you willingly give them up, then you are judging yourself. Then you will not feel the sense of losing anything. Whatever thing you enjoy so much that gives you joy, at the expense of the Spirit of Christ is a power controlling you. It's your heaven. At that instance. Are you getting that? Good. Now if you are getting used to such things, and by the time the judgment comes to break them out of your life, you start feeling this sense of loss. And then you feel in pains. You getting that? Good. So ultimately, God intends us to be controlled by His Spirit and His Spirit alone. That's just what I'm trying to say. Anything else will be judged, purged, and taken out of the way so that Jesus will be supreme, God in all situation for us. Praise the living God. You following that? Right. So, when you read again, like I said, Revelation 21 becomes very clear. No more see the heaven and the earth. The first heaven, that's the first thing. The first heaven and the first earth did what? Fell away. When he said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first seven and the first earth did what? They passed away and there was no more sea. First seven, first earth. Why is it first? Of which one is second? So, I take away the first that I may establish the second, the book of Hebrews. What was the second? The New Testament. The new order of Jesus Christ. So the first seven and the first earth is the ministry of Moses in relation to the law and the tabernacle. Is it making sense? Right. So the first ministry passed away. Second ministry is to be established. And Jesus said, I mean, uh, Paul said in the book of Hebrews, he take away the first that he may establish the second. Is it making sense now? 
Right. So that will tell you that the temple and the laws were the first heaven that Jesus was referring to. When he said heaven and earth must do what? Pass away. But my words will not pass away. And so we're saying that the judgment of God is dealing with all of those things. So Brian Briley, you find that what happened in AD 70 was God's judgment upon that system, which is the first heaven and the first earth. And so everything again that is controlling you, you may not have been uh, somebody following the law of Moses, but whatever thing that is controlling your life, that is a law unto you, is also your first heaven and your first earth. Do you get that? Come on, is anybody following me? Right. That thing which you carry so much that controls you, that gives you joy outside of Christ, that's something you depend on. It's your first heaven and your first earth. Because you were not in Israel. And then you come to the place, maybe you have been worshiping idols before. You trust in what the idols can do for you. That becomes your first heaven and what? And your first earth. So anything outside your authority and the power of God and the spirit of Christ is your first heaven and your first earth. Are you there with me? Good. That's why in the book of Second um, Peter 3, you talk about the elemental merit. The element in heaven shall do what? Shall melt. The element speaks of every, everything that you depend on for joy, for, for, for satisfaction, everything you depend on passes away. Those are the elements. You say the elements in heaven. It's the element was on the earth, it's in the heaven. The element, the Greek word is still cure and talks about all of those ruling powers, all of those things maybe you, you depend on for life. The Bible says the judgment of God takes away all of those things. So you just understand it's very simple. The book of Revelation. When you look at that, the first heaven and the first said pass away. That's made the law passes away. The judgment upon the law of Moses and the tabernacle washed away by in AD 70. And the reality of Christ came into being. Like I said before, even before this thing happened, there was the, 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 the Christian movement, if you want to call that, by reason of Pentecost, and then also they have the tabernacle that was still standing. And as long as the tabernacle was still standing, there is no way the fullness of God can be manifested. Hebrews chapter 9 said the same thing. As long as the tabernacle was standing, the way to the holiest was not made manifest. Remember that? Hebrews chapter 9. Very good. So that's exactly what we're saying. Now God intends us to come to the most holy place. Is that are you following that? Right. So as long as the tabernacle was standing, there's no way we can move into the most holy place. And so, right from the day of Pentecost until about 40 years' time before the tabernacle was destroyed, the way to the most holy of holy was not made available because there was still obstruction. Men were still looking to the law for survival. Men were still looking to the law, as it were. And that's all the more reason why the temple must go. The laws must go. And the Roman soldiers have to do that. You know? Praise the living God. That's why it's difficult for people to understand, like we're saying this afternoon, how Jesus comes. It's a difficult thing for people to understand that. You see? When he said, <laughs> Oh my God. In that mighty chapter 24, he talks about his coming. People were wondering how he was going to come. Right? Praise the Lord. But you see, he came through the Roman soldiers. You go to the book of Isaiah. He came through the Assyrian soldiers. They are working for him. They don't understand that. But people don't understand how he comes. Somebody asked me a question recently. I just threw two questions for me. Answer this question. Let me, let me show, you, show you something. Matthew chapter 10 verse 23. Let's just look at something there. Matthew 10 23. Praise God. Now you are talking to the disciples. But when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. Are they still running today? Are we in Israel? Judea, Samaria, eh? all these are the cities. He told them, you, you see, you won't finish running before I come. What he was talking about is before I come as a Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, just keep running. Just keep, just excuse yourself. Keep running. If they're pushing you, run. But I'm going to come to you. He came to them on the day of Pentecost. But they don't understand that. A lot of people don't understand this thing. 
Huh? So that's the problem we have with Christianity. That's the problem we have with that which we call, you know, a belief system. And he was telling me how some people were getting confused because the child doesn't even know how Jesus comes. That's the problem. You understand this? Right. But when he came, of the Pentecost, and even as he came in judgment to Israel, when he said, You see the Son of Man sitting in the cloud of heaven coming, he was saying that to the to the, to the high priest in Matthew 27. Remember that? He was coming in judgment unto Israel. They don't understand how he comes in judgment. They don't understand how he comes at the rain, at the latter rain. James chapter 5. Say, the whole man will wait for the rain at the latter rain. They don't understand how Jesus comes at the rain. They don't understand how he comes at the bridegroom. They don't understand it. All that we ever know is first and second coming. They don't understand how he come like a thief. All of this in a shade of his coming. They don't understand it. That's the problem we face in Christianity. So here we find that it comes as judgment. It comes here in this instance as Pentecost. Feel the people. And remember when you go down to John chapter 16, you'll be able to see that. When he said, he said when a woman is in travail, there's pain and all that. But sooner than later, the joy comes that no man can tell because the man child is born. He was just talking about Pentecost. He was just referring to Pentecost. So when Pentecost came, the man child came forth. Hallelujah. And then joy filled their life. They could remember the pain of persecution or running here and there anymore. Peter was able to come and speaking with boldness. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm talking about? And that's why he discovered that when you look at Revelation chapter 12, you're going to see how the man child was got up to the throne. What throne? The place of authority and power. So friends, what are we saying? The judgment is ongoing now and everything that is in control of your life, the judgment is what? It's melting. Even the things that you don't like, but they are ruling over you, God's judgment is dealing with them. Hallelujah. Amen. So you need to understand that when certain things sometimes you are even getting to a place of disliking some of the things that you were enjoying before, that judgment taking place. To destroy those things so that your joy will be joy of the spirit. The joy of the Lord will become your strength. Hallelujah. So friend, this is just the judgment of God. We are talking about He is sitting on the throne. And don't forget, essentially, because next week I'm going to deal with the mystery of judgment that has to come through the sons of God. What we've just done this evening now is seeing He who sat on the throne, but He's sitting on the throne through His corporate body, which is the church. And when that is done, everything that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, a man that is controlling man, is done what? Is done away with. So in your personal life, it is the same thing. Everything that controls you outside of God's spirit, when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, is melted away. But the glorious thing about it is this. Jesus is not just doing it all by himself, because the judgment is committed to the saints of the Most High God. Daniel chapter 7 verse 22. Is that okay? So you and I, finally, are becoming the judges on the face of the earth. And I try to explain that to you along the line. More next week, I'll make you see how even the children of Israel, which are the apostles, became judges in their time. And God is raising people today to become judges on the face of the earth. One of the things you've got to understand is this. When you count these things I'm talking about, and you really have to come to that place, there are times you stand before people, even in your place of work, they may not want, there are people who don't want to stand where you are standing. Something is happening to them. What you always know is, uh, think about or what you've been told is fire, Holy Ghost fire, burning the person, right? Have you, have you, not it? Say, when I just enter, you just, you just angry, Holy Ghost fire is burning. It's not just about Holy Ghost fire. The evil and the people can't stand the presence of God. Are you following me? Because when a king sits on the throne, what happened? He dispatched evil with his eyes. So there are some people who cannot look at you face to face. Why? Because you're carrying the glory of the Father. They are not seeing your eyes. They are seeing the eyes of who? Of Jesus. Are you following me? 
Right. Um, I'm close with this. Few weeks ago. Um, okay, it's about a month now. When I went to that meeting over there, and um, I was ministering to people, and I had a word of knowledge for an individual, and then I told the person, "I would like you to come see me." So I told Pastor, "Tell this person to come see me." Uh, on the Tuesday of it, they came, and the, 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 I told the guy, "Who are these people?" They told me. Uh, the, there are visitors who came because they were the child education. That's okay. They are not member of the church. Okay, fine. So they came. And then pastor was telling me, one of them just bought the vehicle. Just between. And then they came. They drove the vehicle down here. And then they came to the office and I sat down. And I'm looking at this guy and I asked him a question. What do you do? I was looking at his eyes and finally was trying to look down. I was looking at his eyes and he said, what do you do? He said, I trade on crypto. I said, no. The spirit is telling me you are a 419 person. Yes, come on. And that it's about time you go out of it or you are going to end up very badly. Am I lying? saying, oh, pastor, it's true. Um, I've been trying to come out of it, but have not been able. That's about the Lord is just trying to tell you, this is the last chance you're going to have. If you continue with this, like I say, because people you have been scamming are crying and their tears have gone up to God. He couldn't even look at my face. And he said, I've been planning to leave it and I'm trying to get some document. I want to get out of this country. I said, okay, come tomorrow with those documents you put together. I want to see them. He didn't come again. That was the end. I don't know his about right now. You understand what I'm saying? But right as he was sitting before me, I just saw something. He couldn't even look at my face. He would look up, he would come down. Look and turn down his face. Why? Because he saw clearly that I could able to design what was in his life. You understand that? Right? So you are not a crypto trader. You are a scammer. This is what the Lord is saying, and I'm seeing that. He said, oh, yes, that's true. I've been trying to leave it, but uh, it's difficult for me to leave it here. Yeah. I just bought that car. I said, the people you are coming to get this money, they are crying and their tears have gone up to God. So very soon you are going to end up with it. You see what I mean? Right. So you come to a place where you are sitting on the throne in that instance. The glory of God in your life, evil can stand before you. They will cry out like we find out in the case of Jesus when he goes to the temple. Is that okay? Right. Praise the living God. I don't know if I help you tonight. Thank you so much. Amen. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.